This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rance with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Realistic Randy Rance. Right here every day, every Monday, excuse me, on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, where we, of course, are presented by TCL and Surly Brewing Company. Uh... Randy, the divisional round, I think I told you this last week, the divisional round of playoff football is my favorite weekend of the football calendar year. It's not the Super Bowl for me. It's not the championship weekend. Uh, it's not opening week. I love divisional round football. And for the most part, I thought on Saturday and Sunday, we got three really good games. Um, I know the Bengals end up probably running away with the contest more than we probably thought against a Bills team that was favored. But regardless, I liked for, for the most part of what I saw in the divisional weekend, except for one game, except for one game where the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't know if you stop me if you've heard this before, realistic Randy, uh, mm-hmm. won a playoff game 38 to seven, basically from start to finish, and are now uh, a win away from going to another Super Bowl. Outside of a dud between the Eagles and Giants, I loved what I saw, but it also infuriated me a little bit more because the Giants basically were waxed for four quarters did not show up at all, and look like the team that the Vikings should have beaten in similar fashion a week before. So where do you land? Where do you land after watching the Giants uh, lose in embarrassing fashion and watching another weekend of playoff football without the Minnesota Vikings? The Giants, specifically Daniel Jones, they are who (laughs) we thought they were. Okay? And we talked about this last week as far as Daniel Jones – 15 touchdowns on five interceptions in the regular season. He's not as good as what he looked like against the Minnesota Vikings in the wild card weekend. And after that, oh my God, the amount of media clicks and headlines of Daniel Jones. He's on the cusp of greatness. We are witnessing something right here. Hold on to your seats. And against the Eagles this weekend, we saw exactly what I knew he would be which is he's not a good quarterback. And now there's rumblings of, well, they don't know about his future as quarterback with the New York Giants. And to lose, not only just to lose, the team that you lost to that looked like they were unstoppable, in return, the next week, they got smacked 38-7 to five years after you, the Vikings, lost to that same team by the same score. So it's one thing you lose to that team. But the way that they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles is one of those things to where I say Daniel Jones against the Vikings defense is the equivalent of you ever see those pro day workout videos 
especially with college quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. And they, they go out there into a dome or wherever the hell. And set hut, coaches are chasing them with broomsticks. <laughs> and they move around the pocket. They throw to their receiver that's being guarded by air. Yeah. And it goes viral. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at these Look plays. at the Zach Wilson throw. Oh, my God. Yeah. His draft stock just rose <laughs> to heaven. You need to draft this guy right now. And it's like, nah, bro, he's, he's playing against air. Daniel Jones had his second pro day against the Vikings, a defense consisting of nothing but air. So it really hurt to watch that happen, them lose in the fashion that they did against the Eagles, because at least if it would have been a competitive game, you could say, all right, well, the better team won. But furthermore, I received some clarity after watching this weekend's of games as far as the entire divisional round. And that is this. When we talk about the Vikings being contenders, and I'm guilty of this every season to where I say, here's how the Vikings can possibly win a championship because we get excited and we're hyped up. But when it comes to the Vikings being actual contenders, let's first start in the NFC, Philadelphia, the San Francisco 49ers. I'll even put Dallas in that category, even though they're not necessarily there. And even if you were to make it to the Super Bowl past the NFC, you're going up against an AFC opponent, one of the best quarterbacks in the league in either Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, Dex, the reality is <laughs> the Vikings are nowhere close to being contenders. And with that said, this hurts me to say, but I think big picture, we have to be honest with ourselves. It's time to rebuild. I know you guys have been on that train, score north, go ahead and go full rebuild. I've been resistant to that idea. There's nothing left to see here. You need to replace the defense. I'll talk about Kirk Cousins in a second, but your thoughts first. Is it time for a rebuild with this team? And if not, how far do you think they are until they're true contenders? Uh, so this is the worst spot to be in right when you're in middle purgatory because you're not bad enough to be complete rebuild mode, at least right now, as currently mm-hmm. constructed. And you're probably still a step away and you're not going to probably find the necessary tweaks that take you from overnight cute wildcard team to legit NFL contenders, right? That that gap too is is too large to overcome in in one singular offseason from this point of view. I think there's some gonna have some really honest questions about even though our record was 14 and 3 and we won the NFC North a, m- a month in, a lot of our nature of our wins were fluky. Uh fluky in the nature of it's not sustainable year in and year out. It wasn't fluky from if you watch them and how they happened this year. They were fourth quarter comebacks. There is something to be said about how to win when pressure is on. And they accomplished that. The problem is, I don't think with the current construction, when you don't have Patrick Mahomes and you don't have Joe Burrow, it's hard to just, hey, whenever who has the ball last, we're going to win. Like that That's the mindset of a Chiefs fan, right? That's now probably the mindset of a Bengals fan, that if we have the ball, peak Tom Brady, same thing. When we have the ball last, we're going to march down and we're either going to get the three necessary to win or we will get the six, touch, the six points for a touchdown or we're going to win this game. So I think the Vikings have this weird conundrum that their hands here where, all right, we're not bad enough to go to strip it down completely, maybe, and we're, we're afraid to do that because our ownership is reluctant to do that. And also, w- with our salary cap being where it's at and not having a lot of day two picks as of right now, can we really improve our team substantially enough where we go from good team to great team in one offseason? So this is where I think I, I can't probably definitively say they should completely strip it down. But I could be convinced towards it if the capital that they're receiving and if there's a long-term plan here of 
of an honest of an honest plan of this is what we, these are the necessary steps that we have to take to be better in the long haul here. Um, and I know you have an opinion on Kirk because I, I have a I have a question for you on Kirk as well and just how his future kind of relates to all of this. But I don't know what path they want to go down because I don't think ownership will green light the Quasi wanting to potentially tear it down because that's why they didn't hire Ryan Poles in the first place. And then also. What were, what could be even a free agent move or a draft move this year that takes you from you know cute feel good story to being a contender overnight? I don't know if I can definitively answer that yet. It's not going to be an overnight process, and that's the point. This is going to be at least a two to three year process. Best case scenario. Here's where I'm at as far as stripping it down, and I'll start with the defense. Outside of your rookie players that in 2023, they'll be your second year players. And outside of Daniil Hunter, it's open season. Anybody can get it. As far as to free up cap space, you need to get faster and younger on defense. On the defensive line, I was saying Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips. I still believe in those guys. But I mean, my God, the amount of maneuvering that you have to do with this roster at linebacker. Eric Kendricks fell off the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Jordan Hicks is not good. You have next year a projected starter in Brian Asamoah. After that, you've got nobody, and you still need depth behind that. At safety, Harrison Smith, he's been great for us. I love him. I have a Harrison Smith jersey, but it's time to move on. He's too slow at this point, along with Eric Kendricks. Zedaria Smith, we talked about this last week. I was saying, hey, we need to keep this guy. Now, I'm at the point now, take the cap savings. You need to rebuild everything with this defense outside of Daniel Hunter. And you know what? If you want to go full, full rebuild, Daniel Hunter, if you want to go ahead and trade him for what you think you can get as in a first round pick, I would at least entertain it. Yeah, that I think that idea, and we're, we're probably going to have that conversation with Mackie and Judd on, on a full episode of Purple Daily as well, because that, that is a really interesting conundrum that all sides find themselves in. Daniel Hunter's camp side, uh, the Vikings side, their payroll side, other teams that probably would like his services. It, it's like brewing in this stew of, of what's going to come out for the actual meal. Um, and I'm curious how that, that r- relates to it as well. Let me get back to Kirk here for a minute. Okay. Uh, realistic Randy, because Phil Mackey threw out this idea on Twitter yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it floating around. It was a poll question. It was four options for Kirk's future, four options. Mm-hmm. So what would you do with Kirk entering the final year of his contract? Option one, Another short year extension, so another one to two year extension where you lower the cap hit for this season, but then again, still have to pay the piper as things go down. Option two would be you ride out the final year, no extension talks, long term, short term, no reducing the cap figure. You just ride out, I believe, what is a $33 million cap hit for 2022 um, mm-hmm. and that, or 2023, excuse me, and then just either say goodbye or he enters free agency and you enter a whole bidding war. Number three, you ask him to waive the no trade because if you're not willing to give him the extension and you ask him, all right, well, if, if you're not happy with that and you want to find someone else to get paid or you also maybe you just don't want to be here anymore, we can work with you, but then you also have to work with us on waiving that no trade and what contenders and what teams would you prefer to go to since you do have that clause in your contract and you have that uh, mobility to do so. And then the fourth option would be another long-term extension. Now, the long-term extension on paper might kind of scare you, but it would lower cap hits for the next immediate seasons, obviously. And it would give you a little bit more flexibility to move maneuver a lot more money than it would be to just do a short year extension. So of those four options, realistic Randy, which one would realistic Randy do if he was running the Minnesota Vikings? 
I am not interested in an extension, whether it's a one-year deal or a long-term extension. That's out the window for me when it comes to Kirk Cousins. I would either, and what I would go after first is to trade him. You have to get him to waive his no-trade clause. I believe you've got teams that may be desperate enough that feel like they're a quarterback away from contending. I talked about this today on my channel, the Jets, the Patriots. (laughs) If you can't get Kirk Cousins to waive his no-trade clause, then you let him play out his final year. I've seen enough. And this is really ironic because for years, I've been the guy that said, give this man a chance. He just needs the right system around him. The last head coach, they didn't like him. This guy, he does. I think this is going to be a perfect pairing. And I'm I'm telling you right now, I understand the defense that we have on Kirk Cousins on that final play, fourth and eight. I've heard them all. I've seen them all. That's wonderful. I'm sorry. This man is 34 years old. He'll be 35. He ended his 11th season by checking the ball down on fourth and eight. Dexter Lawrence was in his face all game long. You couldn't at least account for that to say, okay, I need to get the ball out quickly. Or if it's a long developing route play, which it actually was a poor play called by Kevin O'Connell, let me move around the pocket. As soon as the ball snaps, if I know the side that I want to go to, let me move on that side. For him to go out like that, there is nothing else left to see. 34 years old, he'll be 35. We need to go ahead and trade this guy now or let him play out his contract, but you have nothing to gain by keeping this guy anymore. I want no parts of Kirk Cousins' worst case after 2023. Okay, so keeping on the future of the Vikings and maybe potentially rebuilding, and even the idea of, all right, let's say you can't make him waive the no-trade clause, but also you don't want to enter extension talk, so you're entering the lame duck year, which you know um, I think is the option that I would probably pursue the most. It gives you, again, the... <laughs> The kind of conundrum of, all right, I know what I'm getting out of Kirk, so I know our record won't be as bad as this. They should still be a competitive team. Uh, Ride this out and then say goodbye a year from now. So does that mean in this year's draft, two options? Mm -hmm. Would you go up and try to pull the Chiefs plan with Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, where you still have a good but not great quarterback, let the guy sit behind him a little bit, uh, a first-round talent, if you will? Or do you also just take more of a better chance of, hey, let's maybe just get a guy in the third or fourth round of the draft, on day three of the draft, and if the guy falls there, or even in the second round too, let's go that route, so then that way, again, we're not sacrificing future capital. I guess, how if, if he's entering the lame duck year, Brandy, what type of path would you take long-term with the quarterback? Would you just find another stopgap option, like as a Nick Mullins as a backup? What would be the backup plan to Kirk Cousins if he is indeed entering the lame duck year uh, as the Vikings starting quarterback? In this draft, you need to accumulate draft picks. And I think in the third round, you've got two options. I talked about this on my channel as well. Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee Mm -hmm. and Jaron Hall out of BYU. Now, Hendon Hooker, he's 25 years old. A lot of people are scared about that. And he's recovering from a torn ACL. As far as the age thing, I think he's so mature. He's a year older than Jordan Love. Okay, And Aaron Rodgers, he's been there forever. So, And who knows if Jordan Love is going to get the opportunity to play next year. Right. But Hendon Hooker, I I think he has that it factor to where you can get him in the third round, let him sit for a year behind Kirk Cousins, and then when he's gone, assuming that Hooker is healthy in 2024, you can go ahead and let her rip. I think that's the plan. And the problem is the idea of trading up for a quarterback, especially in the first round. I really don't like this quarterback draft class after Bryce Young. And quite honestly, C.J. Stroud, it's something about Ohio State quarterbacks I'm just not a fan of. 
But even if we want to say he's elite as well, fine. After Young and Stroud, I've seen names like Levis and Anthony Richardson, and those are ultimate projects. I feel like Hendon Hooker, he has it. Standing in the pocket, everything you want. Can be mobile as well, but doesn't force it with his legs. That is the guy that, and I don't know if the injury, maybe it's the injury and a combination of his age to where, okay, he's not going to be a first-round pick, but I just feel like that's the easy call to make. Anything beyond that or anything in between, Hooker or Jaron Hall and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at the top, it gets a little bit murky. So I would go there. All right, well, let me next to you this, ask you this next rebuild question here, because if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to enter the rebuild, does that hurt the potential idea of extending Justin Jefferson? For two reasons. Number one, um, would, he, would, he, would he sign up for that, knowing that all right, I finally get to the playoffs after year three, and if we're going to strip it down and it's going to be a year again or two, that I won't even be back here in the playoffs. Uh, do I want to be a part of that? Or two, the other bigger question probably is, do you look to flip them after a certain point and let someone else try to overpay for them and you get draft capital in return? Basically, what would the future hold for Justin Jefferson and the Vikings if you indeed wanted to enter a rebuild immediately? I think the Vikings are stuck between a rock and a hard place, and here's why. I would have internal discussions with Jefferson and his camp and say, we will give you literally all the money. But... On top of that, we're looking to move on from Kirk Cousins. How do you feel about that? And the reason why I don't think it's going to make a difference is because with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, the most that you're going to get is maybe a playoff appearance and maybe a win at best. If I'm right, as far as this is going to be a two to three year project, that's all that you're going to get. Furthermore, if you say, well, let's go ahead and move on from Kirk Cousins. You got the money, so what's there to bitch and moan about? If there is something to bitch and moan about, the thing is, if you want to argue keep Kirk Cousins for the sake of keeping Justin Jefferson, the difference here is that this man, Jefferson, he's got eyes just like the rest of us. He sees his boy, Jamar Chase, his yeah. LSU buddy, consistently back-to-back years in the AFC Championship game with a quarterback like Joe Burrow. And Jefferson knows that Kirk Cousins is nowhere close to that. So knowing that information, I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, as right. far as keep or let go of Kirk Cousins for the sake of keeping Justin Jefferson. Oh, yeah, it's a good point, too. Obviously, he's yeah very close to Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow, of, Cur- of course, was his quarterback in his final year at LSU, so he has familiarity probably watching both those dudes and saying, man, I want that, too, right? Like, I I know that those dudes, those two dudes are dogs, and those two guys are, are really good players, and I, I wish I had that as well. Yeah, it's an interesting area because I think – we're entering an area where wide receivers are becoming just as important as quarterbacks, especially in terms of contracts and how they're getting paid and how they're being valued. So would a team, if, if you enter the rebuild and Justin Jefferson said, nah, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this. Does do teams come call and would they give you a potential haul for him? Yeah, they probably would. So you have to entertain it, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, you can't let him walk away necessarily easier, but here's the argument to me, I guess, against either entering the full rebuild from the offensive side. So you have Justin Jefferson, right? You have TJ Hawkinson. I'm probably down to move on from Dalvin Cook at this point, but also maybe he maybe is still ride it out for one more year because it, it'll be an easier to move on after that situation. So you have a pretty established running back there. Uh, you have two cornerstone tackles in Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill. Basically what I'm saying is this offense is still ready to be pretty damn good, again, if, if you run it back with Kirk or you run it back with even an even better quarterback, I think, going forward. So 
do you do you risk also that offense kind of finally reaching into the top ten territory, which it finally did this year, only to again strip it down just because you know you, you don't like your Super Bowl chances? I think that's a conundrum in itself too. Of how do you want to approach that offensive side? Uh, because right now it's finally clicking and stepping in a direction that it should be going uh, in today's NFL. So I talked about the defense stripping that down. Let's talk about the offense for a second. Dalvin Cook, the footwork is no longer there. Dalvin Cook in 2023 has a cap hit of $14 million. You can't go into next season with that. Not for the production or lack of production that you're getting from number four. I'm at the point now when it comes to running backs, no more second contracts for that position. They are literally a dime a dozen. If you look at the teams going into the conference championship games, you got Joe Mixon with Cincinnati. Okay. Now, when it comes to, goodness, the San Francisco 49ers, they were going to be a playoff team regardless. Yeah. But they traded. They added on top of the luxury of what they have. They traded for Christian McCaffrey, who, by the way, in Carolina as the superstar there, they couldn't go anywhere, not with him as the lone player. So you add McCaffrey to Brandon Ayuk and, goodness, George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Of course, it's going to be wonderful. You don't need running backs, expensive running backs anymore. I'm good to roll with Kane and Wangu and Ty Chandler, who got a, hi- a lot of hype in last year's draft. So I want to see what he's all about. You need a real number two wide receiver, Adam Thielen. That project is over with. Yeah. And the interior offensive line. We, we have to stop kidding ourselves here because I understand that Garrett Bradbury, before he got hurt, he looked really good. And then when he returned against the Giants, Dexter Lawrence, my God, he's just stole his lunch money. <laughs> the Garrett Bradbury of old. I've seen enough of a sample size, three out of four years from Garrett Bradbury. We can't keep kicking this can down the road. You need a new center. Ezra Cleveland, he's not good at left guard, but I think because Ed Ingram has been so terrible at right guard, he takes a lot of the attention away from Cleveland. You, Because of all of these holes, not just with the interior offensive line, at running back, on the defense, everybody but Daniel Hunter, unless you decide that you want to trade him, There are so many holes to account for that if we want to go ahead and say, we'll bring back Bradbury and we'll bring back Dalvin Cook and whatever, we're going to get more of the same. Actually, with that gauntlet of a schedule, who's to say that you're going to get anywhere close to 13 games? You're just delaying the inevitable. And at quarterback, every year that you fully commit to this guy, and we're going to bring Nick Mullins as the backup or Sean freaking Mannion as the backup. (laughs) Every single time that you do that, You're going another year of delaying developing your future quarterback, which you can get him, I think, a possibility in this draft. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? You can try again in 2024. Yeah, Yeah. there's just like perpetual fear of, all right, if you move on from Kirk, what what are you going to do? It's like, well, I don't know. You you, you start over. Is it really going to be that crippling? Like, you're not saying goodbye to Patrick Mahomes. You're not saying goodbye to a generationally good quarterback. It's because a, a franchise like the Vikings have been so starved for the franchise QB. And look, Kirk is the franchise court. He's been here for six years now. He's the most stable thing they have had since Dante Culpepper. I mean, that was basically a 13-year run where they were running out essentially a different starting quarterback in week one, what it seemed like almost every single year. So I get it. The, the fear of that moving on from someone who is so stable and so consistent and you know exactly what you're getting out of, it can be terrifying to a degree. But at the same time, it's not crippling. It's not franchise crippling to me. 
Um, so it is a very interesting area that the Vikings uh, find themselves in. Randy, I do want to get on the defensive side of the ball. Before I do that, though, uh, shout out to our friends at Park Tavern, the official sports bar of the sports status located here in the metro in the Twin Cities in St. Louis Park. It's right off Louisiana Avenue. A great time for bowling, great time if you want to get into an event area, uh, some great bar food as well, great beers on tap. Go check out Park Tavern off uh, Louisiana in St. Louis Park. On the defensive side, Realistic Randy, so uh, a few candidates have, uh, have kind of entered the chat, if you will. You got Brian Flores, um, who has who has who uh, was the former coach of the Miami Dolphins. He's got an interview. You got Sean Desai, uh, who was with the Seahawks this last year and spent the last basically 10 years with the Chicago Bears in a multitude of roles before that. Ryan Nielsen, too. Um, another coordinator from the Saints tree. So got three guys, two all also very younger guys, right? All under the age of 45. Uh, Sean Desai was not even 40 years old yet. Uh, Brian Flores, who I know uh, uh, got, had an ugly e- exit there in Miami, but is still known as one of the better defensive minds in the NFL. When you're starting to see some of these names come out, and then Ed Donatel was fired too. You and I did not uh, discuss his firing, and thank God it finally happened. We ripped that Band-Aid off. Seriously. Um when you see some of these interviews come in, does any of these guys strike your eye or strike the opinion of definitely make the offer to this person or don't talk to this guy? What have you make so far of the uh, defensive coordinators that they are interviewing? This is not homerism. I like all three of these guys. Brian Flores, I would put him at the top of the list just because he is, in a sense, you mentioned this, basically got blackballed after what happened in Miami suing the league. The only opportunity that he got in 2022 was to be the defensive assistant in Pittsburgh. This man, Brian Flores, was overqualified for that job. And in a sense, he's overqualified being a defensive coordinator. This man should be a head coach. And when you put it in that way, if you can have Brian Flores as the D.C., basically have two head coaches on the team, focusing on their side of the ball. And I know to a degree, it gives me flashbacks of Zimmer. I'll focus on defense. You focus on offense, damn it. But I think the difference here is that with Kevin O'Connell, there's a lot to like. And with Brian Flores, he showed in Miami, they went from, I believe, the 30th ranked defense in his first year to 20th to 15th. So that's growth. I like Brian Flores in that regard. I think he should be at the top of the list. Sean Desai, what he did in Chicago, Seattle is one of those things where I think you have to look at the defensive coordinator and the head coach first because they had one of the worst defenses in the league. But what he did in Chicago, 2021, as a defensive coordinator, they had the sixth-ranked defense, ninth against the pass. And the passing defense is where this Vikings defense struggles the most. So it's very enticing. He is a young guy. And then Ryan Nielsen, what he did with the defensive line for years in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. I think he deserves a ton of credit for the defensive production because the last four years, they've either been top 10 total defense or just outside. At one year, they were 11th, I believe. You can't do anything on either side of the ball if you can't dominate the trenches. And what he did running the defensive line in New Orleans, you're not going to be able to be good against the pass or good against the run if you can't dominate in the trenches. So because of that, I think by default, he understands what a defense, what everything, he understands everything it takes for a defense to be successful. Because if you can revamp the defensive line here, everything else will fall into place as long as you're drafting and signing the right guys. I don't think you can go wrong with either of these guys as a new defensive coordinator of the Vikings. Yeah, I don't look at any of these names and I'm, I, I'm automatically out on. Um, I like they're going to go in younger. I kind of like, too, that, look, 
at the time when they hired Donatel, we thought, oh, great, veteran dude, and he can just kind of run that, and we should be good there. He's been around numerous organizations, and, and this should be fine. Then it turned out, oh, that was actually a really bad decision. Uh, it ended up not working out. Well, now you're getting some of these more young bucks in here, right? You're getting more of these Sean, Sean Desai's who are less than 40 years old and have been around the NFL for, for years now. Yeah, I think, I think Floor is my top option. And look, he's getting head coaching interviews. I believe he interviewed with the Cardinals on Monday as well. So he might be still looking to get a head coaching job. And and to be honest, even if he got this job, when he does turn around a Vikings defense, it's a springboard for him, right? Like it would be a one-and-done situation where if he comes in here, uh, turns the Vikings defense to be a respectable unit or somehow even up peaks that, I mean, he's gonna, then he's for sure a lock to get another head coaching gig uh, this time a year from now. So it's a springboard position for him. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure that's probably the same, same thing for Desai, who has now been an assistant coach or a quality coach for the last 10 years, that it's probably a springboard position. You always have to take those risks when you're hiring these younger coordinators. Um, but I, I've liked all the options that they do here. But then it also comes down to, all right, if we have to really rebuild this defense, which the Vikings really have yeah. to do in the draft and free agency, um, how how much can they really walk in here, turn the key over, and make it a respectable unit? I mean, there's just so many question marks from your point of, do they even keep Daniil Hunter? Are they going to cut guys like Eric Kendricks, Zedaria Smith, Harrison Smith? Plenty of options to basically be overhauled here. Um, how much can a new defensive coordinator really step in here and make this unit better overnight? It is kind of a long shot as it is. It's going to be a long process, but the way you just described it, it's got me having second thoughts on Brian Flores just because you're right. If he has some sort of success here, assuming that he is the D.C., he's going to be a head coach the following year. You need consistency on this defense. You need someone that you can rely on at least for two years. My goodness. So when you put it that way, I guess by default, I would have to go either Ryan Nielsen or Sean Desai. As much as I love Brian Flores, just because I don't believe he'll be here after next year. And this is going to be a two to three year process. Yeah, that that's where I'm so curious of what defensive coordinator they want to bring in and can they really fix it overnight? And yeah, I mean, they, they have to hit home runs in the draft. They have to hope guys like Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth step back in and, yes. and weren't just, you know, injury riddled and ineffective their rookie season. So yeah, there's some options here, but man, it's going to be tough for them um, to make, basically make that flip overnight. Uh, a couple other questions for you here is realistic, Randy. But before I do that, a shout out to the Kirk Cousins, uh, Crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders. Uh, go to kirkcousins.org slash foundation to donate. Now we all can agree uh, that it's a great foundation to go. When you go to donate, you can mention you heard us on Purple Daily. Go uh, check out kirkcousins.org to learn more and donate. Now, uh, realistic, Randy, when you're watching these divisional round games too, and now we're you know, entering conference championship weekend here. Are there anything else too that kind of stuck out from this weekend throughout any of the other games that relates back to the Vikings of, man, I wish the Vikings could do this. Or are there any lessons that were kind of learned that you watch from playoff football that you'd like to see the Vikings adapt going forward? The only thing I can think of is going back to Kirk Cousins. If this man wasn't commanding a 30 plus million dollar cap hit every single year, and I know you're talking about the long-term extension, the initial discounts that you'll get on the caps but I would imagine that towards the end of that contract you're going to be in the same situation if he didn't have these huge chunks of cap hits every single year which is basically putting your flexibility on the roster in a bind then my goodness you could really build out this roster you see defensively what Philadelphia has done or what San Francisco has done the defensive line that they have Nick Bosa everybody talks about Nick Bosa Eric Armstead is one of the most underrated players in the league. They got him out there. They, if 
he were to take a serious discount, you could really build up this roster in free agency. Ryan Poles, I talked smacked about him, but he has that opportunity his second year as GM. Then, okay, we can talk, but he's not going to do it. He's never going to do that. Kirk Cousins, he's all about the money, and I respect that. But he's not worth it. He's not a Mahomes. He's not going to be what Burrow will soon get paid. So in that situation, in that case, what are we doing here? I could see I could see a situation against the Giants. If you had a defense like San Francisco or Philly, you would have blew them out the water. You yeah. wouldn't have needed to rely on a fourth and eight play to extend your season. I understand that. But the reality is it's not real. It's never going to happen because he wants his money. And if you want his services, that's what you're going to have to fork up. Uh, and I noticed this, uh, Mackie pointed this out, I believe, on Purple Daily today, but the remaining four playoff teams, all of them basically have guys under rookie-scale contracts, outside of Mahomes, of course, who's outside making Mahomes, yeah. you know 17%, and he's the best quarterback in the NFL, potentially maybe the best quarterback we've ever seen, so it, it's an exception there. So that's where, I mean, outside of 2016, when Brady made the epic comeback, I believe, uh, against the Falcons, obviously in the Super Bowl, it's been a rookie-scale contract for just about every single dude outside of the Tom Brady wins. Um, so that that's where it's so difficult to justify it. And then also, unless you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, who are generationally bona fide Hall of Famers, one of the best to ever do it, it's really, really hard to win a Super Bowl overpaying for a above-average quarterback when you're giving them top three money. It, it's interesting, man. Um, I, I, Brock Purdy's been a baller for the 49ers. Joe Burrow is right up now in the conversation to me also with Mahomes is one of the best guys in the NFL. It's been a treat to watch, but then also like, what does Philadelphia do with Jalen Hurts going for? Like he's got, he's going to get a payday and yes, he deserves a payday, but what does Philadelphia offer him and and how much money do they want to give him? It's, it's an interesting conundrum that every team does have to face. This is not an option that just the Vikings fall themselves in, uh, had themselves in. It's an interesting problem that's going to be developing throughout the rest of the NFL. You need, when it comes to the quarterback position, get him on a rookie scale. And then if it's time to give him his second contract, he better be damn good. Otherwise, you move on to the next guy. With Jalen Hurts, I think he is that damn good. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think the Eagles, they're best served giving him certainly not whatever money he wants, but he plays the premium position. So maybe you have to, but pay him whatever it takes to keep him because I think he has ascended into one of the top players at that position in this league. Whereas the Vikings, goodness, we're talking about Kirk Cousins after his 11th season, (laughs) (laughs) it's time to move on, go to the next rookie scale quarterback and keep recycling it until you figure it out. Because the alternative is, okay, we can keep doing what we've been doing and maybe get to the playoffs every other year, maybe get a win. We only got one playoff win with this guy. And then what do we accomplish there? You're always going to be in the middle of the road, not even middle of the road. You're going to be in the 20s trying to draft for a quarterback, trying to draft and accumulate all these positions to fill out the rest of the roster. It's just not worth it. It's not. Rookie or large-scale contract, he better be Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super Bowl pick, sir, before we go here. We obviously got championship game weekend um, coming up here. AFC and NFC teams got the Chiefs. And the Bengals, of course, and then in the FC, the Philadelphia Eagles and 49ers. Uh, who are your uh, Super Bowl picks? Uh, who are winning their conference title games this weekend? Let me just say this. I thought the Buffalo Bills would go to the Super Bowl. It is just really inexcusable that they lost in the goodness, the divisional round against the Cincinnati Bengals. And yes, the Bengals, they're a great team. Joe Cool, he's amazing. 
but the snowfall out there. You had weather benefiting your defense, and you allowed 27 points. Yeah. And, oh, the cherry on top, Stefan Diggs blowing up on the sidelines, <laughs> yelling at, jo- at Josh Allen. Yes, this is exactly what I wanted to see because he's a diva. It was only a matter of time before he blew a head gasket. But as far as the conference championship games, I listen to New Heights podcast. That's the Kelsey brothers. Oh, yeah. yeah. They do fantastic. It is a great listen. Travis Kelsey talked about, goodness, I think it was Jason Kelsey that brought up the last three times in the last calendar year, you guys, the Chiefs, lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. And Travis Kelsey said, yeah, Joe, cool. I don't know what it is. We'll have to figure out the next time we play. So I'm going to go with those odds. I'm going to say that the Cincinnati Bengals will win the AFC. Mm -hmm. And then on the NFC side, I think if this were were in Santa Clara, I would say it's a toss-up. But it's something about going to the link in that situation, an NFC championship game, and the experience that Philadelphia has over San Francisco. I just the players that they have on that roster is it's deeper than they're just a really good team. Philadelphia, they rep their city. Same thing with the Niners, except Santa Clara, they don't give a damn about the Niners. It's nothing but yeah. big tech guys out there. They go work in Palo Alto and then they come back. But the Niners, they rep the Bay Area. I just think that for Brock Purdy, the magic is over with. This ends now. It's one thing to kick ass on your home turf at Levi Stadium. To go to the link, Jalen Hurts, yeah. an MVP candidate, I just think it's too much to overcome. I think I think both defenses will be great, but Jalen Hurts will be the difference maker over Brock Purdy. So I got the Eagles and the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that's honestly going to be my pick as well. Um, I know Arrowhead's a tough place uh, to go in and play as well, So so... But Joe Burrow's done it. Like Joe Burrow's gone in there and 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 beaten them. And Mahomes now with this ankle sprain. I mean, the fact yeah. Chad Henney. I didn't know Chad Henney was still playing football. The fact he had to come in there for a couple series, but also goes to show how amazing Andy Reid is that Chad Henney can step in for a few series and did not completely shipwreck things uh, when Mahomes obviously had the ankle situation. So yeah, I think I think it's another repeat. I think the Bengals go back in there and they win another game in Arrowhead. Would I be shocked? Uh, obviously, the Chiefs will be favored win that game and go on to the Super Bowl? No, I won't be shocked by that. But I will say, I, I think I'm with you on the NFC side. I, I don't think Brock Purdy um, and the Niners can go in there and win in one of the host- most hostile places to play. Jalen Hurts is now more healthy. He's a dynamic dude. Um, you might you could maybe give you know the, the tail of the tape to Kyle Shanahan being a better coach than Nick Sirianni at this point, I guess, just from experience to a degree. But outside of that, I think the Eagles, for the most part, stack up a lot better, and I just think they're going to have a really tough time stopping Jalen Hurts. So I'm with you. I think it'll be Bengals-Eagles uh, in the Super Bowl okay. when we, uh, we meet up next week, man. The mistakes that Dak Prescott made last oh. night, Jalen Hurts, he's not doing that, no. especially on his home turf. No, no, not at all. Yeah, and classic Cowboys, two years in a row, just like, what What yeah. the hell was that last play of the game? Like, that? that's what you ended up coming up with? Like, what What, what was that? What the Zeke hell was that? center. Yeah. Give him a contract. Zeke playing center, and then they just throw a quick little out to the sticks, and all right, tackled, that's that's ball game. Hilarious stuff. All right, man, we'll be back, of course, next Monday uh, right here on this YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Of course, go to Realistic Randy's YouTube channel as well for some great Vikings entertainment. We're here every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We'll be talking at you next week. Peace.